Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Newsmakers Week with Bickley and Murata Mornings, the Arizona Cardinals. We're going to do our due diligence on a lot of people. Um, but the, the first thing is that I'm looking for is I want people that want to be Arizona Cardinals. And with the process that we have with Michael and Monty and myself, I'm very confident we're going to find the right group of guys to coach this football team. And um, they know they're an integral part to maximizing the player. And um, they're going to have a servant leadership because that's what I believe in. And we're going to be high energy and um, very innovative and uh, look forward to, to putting it together. And, and once that first staff meeting hits, delegating everybody's role and getting to it. That is Jonathan Gannon, the new head coach of the Arizona Cardinals. A clip from the premiere episode of uh, Flight Plan, Cardinals Flight Plan. It premieres tonight on YouTube at 7 o'clock. And uh, that was an exclusive clip that was shared with us. And you'll see the whole episode tonight uh, on the plane ride back. Uh, and an exci- I mentioned an exciting time for the Arizona Cardinals. Jonathan Gannon at the center of that. Michael Bidwell, the owner of the Cardinals, in studio with us here for Newsmakers Week. Uh, first of all, let me commend uh, the content team that you've uh, put together with the Cardinals flight plan. How many years is this now? It's got to be five or six years, right? Boy, yeah, four years. Four years, but but I mean, literally tens of millions of views that our fans and other fans of other teams, and I know other teams are now copying this whole format. We were the first to come out with it, and I think nearly every team has some form of a flight plan for the off season just to tell yeah. all the stories, give the fans behind the scenes, and uh, Tim Delaney and his group do a fantastic job for us. Yeah, I agree. Um, and Jonathan Gannon, getting to know him a little bit more, I, fans will see that uh, in the episode. But what, one of the things that stood out to me or stands out to me, Michael, about Jonathan Gannon, he's a 40-year-old who's never been a head coach before, two years as a coordinator, but just the confidence he exudes, the rapport he showed yesterday with Nick Rawlis at that press conference, uh, it was refreshing to see. Uh, it, how much of that came out in the interview process? A lot. Uh, he was, uh, it, it was clear when he walked in the room, this, this guy's a leader, this phrase, a leader of men, Mm -hmm. gets thrown around in the NFL way too much. Very cliche and overused and and, and and not supported by a lot of people that... he he definitely is one who it, it's like whoa you, you know you yeah. know who's in charge in this right. room yeah and uh, it it came across right away yeah and I th- I think football players I I really believe they need a lot of that it, it's it's a very violent hard game they play as you well know and and this is something I think that that people are really like oh good give me more of this um so the energy and and what he brings to the job were you the way he's hitting va- the Valley sports fans now is, is that the way it hit you did you like oh wow for for however long this has taken for however much i've had to do along the way with the super bowl and all this i have got the perfect guy sitting across from me i think so and and i think that that there's a new normal in terms of timing because there have been a lot of changes to the 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 speed at which teams can hire a coach and a gm and uh they require additional mandatory interviews of diverse candidates in-person interviews that slows things down so the idea that you you could hire a coach within days after finishing a season, that's over with. Mm -hmm. That timeline is over with. 
I believe it now takes at least two weeks. So even though we took this 36, 37 days, I, I wasn't counting, uh, but I've, I've, I've read where, but that's, that's going to be the new normal. And we, we were ready to wait. Every bit of advice was take your time, not only with the head coach, but also filling out your staff. There are a lot of great coaches there, including from college that are ready to make the jump. So um, I wasn't worried. We had we had finalists that were excellent candidates, um, uh, but we wanted I wanted to speak to Jonathan Gannon, mm-hmm. and he wasn't playing until after the Super Bowl. Uh, I know that that so did Monty. Monty had a lot more questions for him and wanted to put him in that. But to come in on Monday uh, after the Super Bowl loss, um, you know. He came into the room and he was he was immediately able to switch gears and that's what you need as a football coach and a football player is a short memory because yes. you can't be thinking about the last play or the play where you might have uh, made the wrong call in the first quarter you've got to be very present and as he says be where your feet are mm-hmm. that's where he was Monday and Tuesday because we we kept talking uh, we did you know there's like okay you want to go to dinner we went to Tarbell's uh, <laughs> okay you you want to leave at eight well, why don't you come in the building and we'll keep talking? Uh-huh. And so, uh, so we'll, we'll the plane will wait on you. So right. anyway, it was we, we had a great conversation. It, it, we ended up in a great place. Uh, he really stood out among all the uh, candidates, and that's that's what I was saying to the team. I said, look, they're going to be candidates that really rise above the rest, and it'll be very clear to all of us. And I think we all came to the exact same conclusion. Going back to your point on the timetable, and, and you referenced that as maybe the new norm. There's been a lot of people around the league. Michael, as you well know, that have been pushing the NFL, maybe to pass a rule. Do you think that's in the future where the the timetable is defined by league rules moving forward? Well, it is defined by league rules now, but I don't think it'll be moved back as far as some people have suggested, you know, back after the Super yeah, Bowl. That's, and that's what I was getting at, mandating all teams to wait until after the Super Bowl. So there are a couple of committees that, that uh, input on this before it goes to an owner vote. I'm on one of those committees. The competition committee is another. Uh, but the diversity, equity, and inclusion committee has a big say-so in a lot of this, and, and, and I think we are still fine-tuning things. There's no doubt that we're going to be addressing this. And one of the, one of the challenges we had is um, the window for us to put in permission slips had passed before we had made a final decision on our, our general manager. So we were precluded uh, from putting in permission slips and having to wait additional weeks. Mm-hmm. And so that's a little bit of a, a, a an area that I, I don't think we anticipated. So we'll talk about it and see if there's a modification of the rule for teams like ours. You, uh, you're an interesting guy, Michael. You've got a lot of things going on. You've got a lot of big-time political connections. You're obviously um, into the political spectrum. You love piloting. I remember having a conversation with you about a decade ago where you were talking about the future of Arizona and how you want the state to kind of shine and grow and, and, and sort of be big league. What are your thoughts about that now? What is the football team's role in that? And what is your role in all of that? Well, my role, I'm, I'm vice chairman of the Arizona Commerce Authority. So if you think of our commerce department, it's known as the Arizona Commerce Authority, and it's sort of a public-private partnership. Uh, Sandra Watson runs it day-to-day. She does an amazing job. Um, and when you think about it, if you roll back 10 years ago, a lot of, a lot of young Arizonans would go to college and they wouldn't come back here because there were not great jobs 
jobs back in Arizona, but now we've got all sorts of high-paying, great jobs. We're not getting those back-of-house call centers anymore. We used to celebrate those 15 years ago. <laughs> Today, what we have, and I, I made this point, it, during Super Bowl 49 in 2015, there was a brand new governor, Doug Ducey. We had set up this program called the Visiting CEO Program. We, had, we invited 50 CEOs who are serious about re- relocating their business to Arizona or expanding it substantially to Arizona. It was high-tech companies, uh, all sorts of different companies, aerospace companies, defense companies, um, a, a headquarter, companies with headquarters that were going to bring them here. Um, of those 50 companies, after the Super Bowl, we had it was speed dating, corporate uh, free agency. <laughs> we, we met with them all. We landed 20 of those 50 companies. Wow. And I told the story, this time it was with Governor Hobbs. We invited 70 of those companies. I know we're going to land a bunch of those as well. It was corporate speed dating over two weekends ago where I met multiple times with um, the whole group, spoke to them about Arizona, spoke to them about the opportunity here, spoke to them about the welcoming and and the business environment. But then um, I made the point on the morning of the of, of the Super Bowl was the last time it was it was Senator Mark Kelly, Governor Hobbs, and and I that all addressed and Sandra Watson that addressed this group. And I made the point at the Arizona Biltmore at that brunch. I said, you know, eight years ago when we had the. Um, had that that group here one of the companies we were chasing was this this uh, a company that was a high tech company that was going to build a new electric car and it was just like a foreign idea that that this company would come to Arizona well they got their investment from the royal uh, the the Saudi Royal Investment Fund and I said and this morning I drove my lucid electric car that was made <laughs> by Arizonans 40 miles from here uh, down at Casa Grande uh, to the Arizona a Biltmore, and this is a product that's now made. We 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 have wow. a car manufacturer here. We have electric vehicle technology. We have batter, battery technology. Yeah. They're gonna, there's drone technology being developed here. There is so much going on in Arizona. It's amazing, and uh, plus all the chips that you know, uh, Taiwan Semiconductor. I was part of that group to help recruit that company uh, here too. That is going to be something we're talking about in ten years um, of how explosive that growth is for the valley. The the uh, list of municipalities and Super Bowl-ready facilities is growing. It's getting bigger year by year. Obviously, Arizona's in the mix with the Super Bowl recently in the rearview mirror. How do you size up the future of, of Super Bowls in Arizona? What do you see as that timetable uh, in terms of the rotation? Well, we'll have we'll have another Super Bowl back. Uh, the first thing you know we needed to do is do a great job, you know, executing mm-hmm. Super Bowl Fifty Seven. We did that. Next up on our our list is now just about fourteen months from now. We which is the final four. And we've got another great opportunity to do the visiting CEO program, which we, Governor Ducey and I did around the last Final Four. Governor Hobbs and I will do that around this Final Four. Um, and then, you know, we'll see when we get the next Super Bowl. But the, it'll be bigger. It'll be better. And um, and it, it's going to be a really exciting time. But I think the key is, is we put over $200 million mm-hmm. into State Farm Stadium. And it wasn't just in the high-end product for the, you know, the corporations, the, the suites and the club areas. It was everywhere. 
it was new video boards for everyone. It was new Wi-Fi for everybody. 5G technology inside the stadium, outside the stadium. We built a new uh, fan pavilion and beer garden on the Great Lawn for everybody to enjoy. We built a new sports book, the BetMGM sports book out on the Great Lawn. So uh, $200 million of investment in this building so that it's always fresh. We're going to continue to do that, gentlemen. Mm-hmm. We're going to continue to invest in it because that's we're not going to be one that lets our, our building fall behind. We want to continue to make that fan experience, that game day experience, that pregame experience the best it can be in the NFL. Michael, thanks so much for joining us in studio. Really yeah, appreciate your time. Man. Always good to catch up with you and uh, best of luck with everything. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. And again, you can catch the season premiere of Cardinals Flight Plan. Premieres tonight, 7 o'clock on YouTube and you can get to know uh, all about the new head coach, Jonathan Gannon, and the process that went into hiring him. We continue Newsmakers Week next two segments with Valley sports icon Jerry Colangelo. That is straight ahead here on Bickley and Murata Mornings. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Newsmakers Week with Bickley and Murata Mornings. That's Bickley and Murata Mornings on this Thursday, live from the Octane Community Studios. Thanks again to Michael Bidwell for joining us. And now, joining us in the Octane Community Studios for Newsmakers Week, Valley sports icon, the one and only Jerry Colangelo, kind enough to uh, join us. Jerry, thank you so much for being here today. Great to see you. Good morning. It's been a while since I've been been yeah. here in these offices, and it's uh, I'm glad it's a, a nicer day today than yesterday. Oh, hey, so, yesterday was yeah. a little nasty. I yeah. thought I was back in Chicago. <laughs> it felt like it, didn't it? It did. It really did. But, my sister's in town from Beverly, and yes. she's like, I thought it was nice here. I'm yes. like, I don't, I don't know. What could I do here? <laughs> you know, of all days, uh, you know, my partners and I through a fund own the, some golf courses in town, the Wigwam courses and also the Biltmore courses. And yesterday, we were walking through that blustery weather with Tom Lehman and a group of golf people mm-hmm. because we're changing the course and putting a lot of improvements into it. I'm serious. It's seemed like it was below zero. That's how cold it was. <laughs> yeah, it was crazy. Yeah. Anyway, it's nice to well, be here. Well, look, you look fabulous. You've already told us that the garlic, the Italian food's the secret to your longevity and how good you look, so I've, we don't need to spend well, time with you. that. I wrote right? that down. Did you? You wrote that down? <laughs> good, good. Okay, when the Suns signed Kevin Durant, that must have brought up memories of when you brought Charles here. Let's go down memory lane. we got plenty of time to do this. For the people who didn't experience Charles, how similar? What was it like? What did you reflect upon? Well, similar in the sense that uh, both of them were uh, uh, game changers, you know, in terms of uh, players who were at the top of their top of their game, in my opinion, and were were people that could really get you to to the next level to the promised land. Uh, If you recall, we had a very good team uh, before Charles before that trade, but we just couldn't get over the hump. We were winning 50 to 55 games, very competitive. I think people liked our, our players, etc. And we we had really teed things up pretty well. Uh, we had decided to uh, go f- for trying to get a new building. We did that. Mm-hmm. So in the same year, Paul Westfall was named coach. We were opening a new building. We were sold out for the season and season seats and all of our inventory, radio, television, signage. Um, and we had a wait list of thousands of people who wanted season tickets. But where were we headed? We were going to have another very good team. But when that opportunity presented itself, because Carl, excuse me, Charles 
was looking for something else. He was on a happy camper in Philadelphia. We gave up some good people. Every trade, you you can't expect you're just going to steal somebody. It doesn't happen. Although I, I can think of a few things in my career where that did happen, like Gonzalez. Yeah. Oh, for, yeah. yeah. That for, was a steal. Uh-huh. For Kareem Garcia. Plus, they gave us a half a million dollars in cash. That turned out pretty well. That, that was a good, good one. That was one-sided. Uh-huh. But, but there's always the other side, you know, when things don't work out. With Charles, how much risk really when you get down to it? Sure, he was a high-strung superstar, but his talent was enough in our minds to get over that hump and have a chance to really win a championship. So we play the season, if you recall, the best record in basketball from day one Mm -hmm. for the season. And then we run up against the, the Lakers, an eight seed against us, the one seed, and we're down 0-2. We were on the verge of being eliminated, and then we came back. And that was kind of historic, too, when Paul Westfall said, we're going over there and we're going to win one, we're going to win two, and then we're going to come back here and win win the series, and it all happened. Kind of prophetic. Right. Um, Charles is player of the year, MVP in the league. Um, We get to the finals. Should have gotten through the finals with the championship. We lose our first two games at home. So much for this home court advantage <laughs> that everyone talks about. I mean, I've seen that go opposite the opposite way so many times, yes. it seems, in sports. Uh-huh. Um, but the series was a great series. And we should, I think we could have won. Can't say should have. Um, but certainly we were right there. So Charles did exactly what he was expected to do with the exception of the ring. We didn't get that. And over the next couple of years, I think we have even a better chance because Michael was gone, if you recall. Yes. Mm-hmm. And who someone else took advantage of that, Houston. Yep. And so that that's a big disappointment to me. During that stretch, we could have won a couple of championships. Didn't happen. So back to your question. I love Durant. One thing about the players now that the Suns have, there's no maintenance. There's no high maintenance people at all. These are all hoopers. These are all guys who love to play. So when you bring a group of individuals together like that, you have a real legitimate chance. And Durant, if healthy, is one of the top two players in the game. Mm-hmm. So, you know, do you expect to steal somebody? Do you expect to get him for nothing? No. You have to be willing to, to get. The real question is, do you feel you're in this window where you have a chance to win it? I would bet on that. Yes. You know, and the fact because I, I, I love Book Booker. I think he's really an outstanding uh, shooting guard. Um, I love Chris Paul. As long as he can stay up there, be the general that he needs to be, don't expect him to get big-time numbers. He will from time to time. He's that talented, even at his age. Um, The center needs to be more consistent. If they can get him to be consistent, um, I like the nucleus of, of that group. And Durant gives them that extra, gives them that star who can get them over the hump. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm excited about it. I would have I done that personally. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I know you would have. That's, yeah. that's why this feels so familiar to yeah. a lot of Suns fans. Yeah. I remember speaking with you, Jerry, two years ago when the Suns mm-hmm. made their run to 
into the finals and the way the schedule shook out, it coincided with you heading over to the Olympics and right. being in Asia at that time. And we talked about what a championship from your perspective would mean to you. And here we are two years later, uh, and a lot of people are penciling the Suns in as the favorite to win it. Can, can we just revisit those feelings? Uh, you know, after all these years and being so close so many times, what would a championship mean to you? Well, personally? it would mean, you know, how could it not mean everything? Mm-hmm. You know, especially since I came here and, and started the franchise, and it's the old common thing I say, it's my baby in the sense that I gave birth to him. Mm-hmm. And so when you go through all the pains mm-hmm. and, you know, <laughs> adolescent years and, and you know, the wins, the losses, mm-hmm. and you, you learn and blah, 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 um, you know, I hope the stars are aligned this time. That's the real That's the real key. Yeah. How about that? So true. Yeah. Jerry Colangelo, kind enough to uh, join us in studio here for Newsmakers Week for two segments. So we'll take a quick break and we'll continue our discussion with the great Jerry Colangelo next here on Bickley and Murata Mornings. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Newsmakers Week with Bickley and Murata Mornings. Welcome back, everybody. Dan Bickley, Vince Murata, joined by the iconic, the great Jerry Colangelo, so responsible for building Phoenix from scratch into where we are today. Um, a lot of people don't know this, and I tell this because I've spent a lot of time with you. I wrote a book with you that back in the day when you were hired by the Bulls, you you had to create excitement around the Bulls, so you actually rented a flatbed and you put a live bull in the back. We did. And you drove up and down Michigan Avenue. At, at lunchtime. You know. <laughs> Thinking that we would have great exposure and we might be able to sell a number of season tickets because we were trying to establish ourselves. Yeah. And so Dick Klein, who was the uh, the individual who really came up with the concept of bringing pro basketball to Chicago, Johnny Kerr, who was our first head coach, a Chicago guy from Tilden Tech, and myself. And I have a great photo of the three of us on that flat truck that you're mm-hmm. referring to uh-huh. with cowboy hats on. <laughs> I want that and as we're And as we're going down, it's in the museum at, okay. at GCU. Oh, yeah. But as we're going down Michigan Avenue, we had pamphlets we're throwing out, hoping that we're going to sell seats. Unbelievable. We sold four. <laughs> <laughs> I learned. I learned mm-hmm. a lesson. Yes, you did. Yes. And I bring this up because when Matt Ishbia came in, the way he came in, he's the guy that played the game like you did. Right. Um, you played it at Illinois. You were going to play at Kansas with Will Chamberlain. He's aggressive. He's young. He knows the sport. He loves the sport. He's respectful of those who came from behind him. And he's very aggressive and he wants to win. So people are looking at Matt Ishbia and going, this looks like a young Jerry Colangelo. Could we really be this lucky? Mm -hmm. Matt reached out to you and sought your advice. Well, he did, and that that really impressed me. Um, And I was impressed by him as an individual. And I think rather than comparisons, it's more about who this young man is. And you described, described him well. Uh, therefore, I'm very upbeat about the future. Uh, I think the franchise is in good hands. I, I was impressed with his brother, who's going to be part of that management team. And uh, so there's a comfort level. And I kind of sense that from a lot of people in the community when I see them. They want to know if, if I've had an opportunity to meet meet with them. I have. Uh, the door's wide open whenever they want counsel of any kind or advice or opinions, I told them I'm, I'm happy to do that. I care. There's, I couldn't care more. 
Gary Colangelo, our guest in studio for Newsmakers Week, day three here on Arizona Sports. Uh, you still have a lot of things on your plate. You're, you're involved in the in the Basketball Hall of Fame still. Uh, obviously, a, a still a connection with GCU. And I wanted to focus on that, not necessarily specific to GCU, but uh, we know in sports everything changes over time, not always for the better. Uh, college athletics has changed in, in huge ways in recent years with transfer portal things and name, image, and likeness deals. I just wanted to get your thoughts from, from your perspective on the future of, of college athletics and where you think it's heading. Well, Bick is aware of uh, the first book that I wrote, uh, How You Play the Game, mm-hmm. how the Game of Life. Mm-hmm. And it's how all of these things come together, the business world, sports political world, all of these things. There was a chapter I kind of committed to the NCAA about changes they should make or consider making. This was 1998. (laughs) I would say to you, if they had instituted some of those changes, then we wouldn't be in the predicament we're in today because it was a runaway freight train the way things have gone. There was an AD from a Big Ten school in my office last week And I was talking to him about the NIL. Mm -hmm. I said, what's your budget? He said, well, they're all, all the players are making six figures minimally. And uh, so I I just kind of put things together because I knew they paid a lot for a couple of guys. They had a $3 million payroll. (laughs) Okay, tell me that's not pro. Of course that's pro. Okay, so compare that to the first (laughs) salary of the Chicago Bulls and and the Suns. In 1966, the payroll for 12 players was $180,000. Wow. <laughs> In Phoenix, two years later, it was 225000 for 12 players. And now we're talking about college. And those, now, by the way, th- more power to them. Sure. This is the system. This is what's happening. But I'll tell you, one of the, one of the problems with it, it's hard to build a program. It's hard to develop players with the portal that exists and the money that's being paid supposedly from a distance. There's a group at every university who keeps the, the supposedly the coaches away from all of the details. Otherwise, it's a problem legally. Right. But I'm just saying to you, um, it just raises so many questions, and it's it's. I think it's a runaway freight train right now. Yeah, certainly. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, now I want to take that a step further because your your fingerprints are all over the sport of basketball on the professional level. Your name's on the court at the Hall of Fame. For goodness' sake, it, when you look at where the NBA is, I I. I I couldn't help but believe that everybody involved in the NBA must look at this growth as as unbelievable. The the potential to connect people and you look at the diversity in the NBA. You look at the globalism of which you were a part with Team USA. How about the state of basketball? I don't think it could be. It's going to continue to grow. Let's put it that way. It's still not finished. Um, whenever conversations would would lead to, well, gee, how are you going to replace Bill Russell and Jerry West and Oscar Robertson? Well, guess what? Some other guys came along, like Michael Jordan and Larry Bird and they, uh, Magic Johnson, and they just keep coming. Look at all the great young players. Every year, there's a new group of them. The game continues to grow and prosper. If you look at the potential inductees to the Hall of Fame this year, 
there's three that are international. Mm-hmm. Wow. Three or four that mm-hmm. could possibly be there. That says a great deal. And they they would say to a man or, or woman that it all started with the, the um, dream team in 92 in Barcelona because it opened their eyes. That's what they all wanted when they saw that. Mm-hmm. And so the game internationally is going to continue to grow and expand and players are going to get even better because there's more ways and opportunities yeah. to get better. Lastly, Jerry, for me, um, so we still have one major professional championship. It's been a long time. We're 22 years since you brought one from the Diamondbacks. But I was walking over to the Kevin Durant press conference and I walked by Chase Field and I looked up and I'm like, okay, Jerry built that. And then there's Randy Johnson way. And I'm like, okay, Jerry brought that guy in who won the World Series. And I'm going to Footprints and, okay, Jerry built this as well. At your stage and your age in life, when you look, we don't have the ton of championships, but the change in this place must blow you away. And you're largely responsible for a lot of it. What do you feel? Well, first of all, it, it takes more than one person to make all of that happen. And I think along the way, I, I had really good good people around me and I tried to develop people around me and so it's a team effort everything's about a team effort so yes a lot of great things happened but the opportunity was there and that reminds me when when I left Chicago and made a decision to come here and start the Suns franchise because I was offered that opportunity I could have stayed in Chicago as you well know and maybe you know run the the Bulls couple of years later and who knows how long Mm -hmm. you just never know what the future holds i had milwaukee had offered me the the gm job before they even announced the franchise but i chose this market because i saw a blank um portrait if you will that you could write your you could print or paint your own portrait so it was like the wild west <laughs> you know <laughs> you didn't have to come from the the good side of the tracks in order to yeah. have an opportunity to uh, to make it right uh, like it is in the midwest or certainly in the east and south in many of the major markets so um, it's the land of opportunity i i seized it i saw that i saw downtown as a as a place that really needed to be blown up and start over again and and by the way most all of the uh, retail people had moved out of downtown yes. when i first got here in the late 60s and you really could outside of lawyers and, and accountants in city county and state uh people who who work downtown that was it and at five or six o'clock you could throw the proverbial <laughs> bowling ball down the street and not hit anything <laughs> I don't know how proverbial that was. It was pretty pretty literal at that Uh time. Uh, Piggybacking on on Bick's question, um, I'll just say this for for Arizona sports fans, of which I have been one since my family moved here in the late 70s. Thank you for everything you've done. Thank you so much for uh, joining us in studio. Always great to talk to you. Thank you, Jerry. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Jerry Colangelo, the uh, Valley sports icon, joining us in studio for Newsmakers Week, which continues. Next, we'll be joined by the general manager of the Phoenix Suns, James Jones. That is straight ahead here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Newsmakers Week with Bickley and Murata Mornings. The Phoenix Suns. Yeah, Bickley and Murata Mornings continues. Newsmakers Week, day three. We do shift our focus to the uh, Phoenix Suns. We're joined by their president of basketball operations and general manager, James Jones, who joins us here on the Arizona Sports Line. James, thanks so much for joining us and making time. We appreciate it. 
Nah, man, it's a pleasure to be with you guys. Thanks for having me. Are you tired of answering Kevin Durant questions yet? <laughs> no, I, I mean, that's my job, man. I'm in, I'm in the business of basketball, and Kevin's a big deal. So I'm extremely excited to have him with us and, you know, just looking forward to him being with us for the, the years to come. Yeah, the anticipation is obviously palpable. It was palpable at the press conference uh, when, when he was introduced. And I know you were on with uh, with uh, Burns and Gambo yesterday and didn't really have a clear timetable. A lot was to wait and see how Kevin responded to, uh, you know, full practice. Is, is there any update on that front at all this this morning, James? No, not internally. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that goes around on the Internet about when he'll be back, um, but we're still in a wait-and-see approach. Uh, like I said, we're in the final stages of his recovery, so if he's back in a week, I wouldn't be surprised, but I'm just not really sure what that exact timeline looks like. Okay. Uh, when it comes to uh, the, uh, the the magnitude of Kevin Durant, you're right on the money. I'm curious, what did you think of that debut press conference? And, and not just the press conference, but the turnout. The young Suns fans who showed up, and Katie almost looked embarrassed by all that love. I mean, well, Katie, like he, he told you, he's just a, he's just concerned about putting good things on film every night. Uh, he just goes out to play, to play um, and engage the fans on game nights. But to have the fans there for a press conference is something he hasn't seen, something we really haven't done. Um, but it was actually pretty cool because I always felt like the fans should really have a chance to enjoy those introductory press conferences because they're the ones that are really following closely. James Jones, the uh, president of basketball operations for the Phoenix Suns, our guest here on Newsmakers Week. Uh, you mentioned the internet. Obviously, a lot of the cable stations that you know have the panel shows and the debate shows. When you make a trade of this magnitude for somebody like Kevin Durant uh, in the middle of uh, of a season where you know you were showing potential and getting back together and healthy, people will attach the phrase "championship or bust" uh, to to this year for the Phoenix Suns. What's your reaction to those people? Um, it makes for good drama and for good stories. Um, I think every competitor and every player in this league starts the season saying championship or bust. Like you don't start the season, you don't play the games just to play the games. You play to win. And if you don't win a title, you bust. Uh, 29 teams bust every year. Uh, I think, think it just takes great a, a greater magnitude or it's, it's, it probably comes under focus a little bit more for those teams that legitimately have a shot. Um, but if you want to say championship or bust, that's fine. That's our mentality every year. Mm. How are the pieces going to fit, Champ, when you take a look now um, at, at determining a regular season roster, a playoff roster, at, at assimilating a few new faces, not just KD? There's a lot of stuff that seems to have to kind of fit into place here. Is it is it going to happen organically? How's this going to go down? I mean, well, it starts with, with Devin, starts with Kevin, Chris, and DeAndre, and then everything has cascades from there. You have to have those four guys on the court. Uh, you have to have those four guys playing well together. And then everyone else just fits in. I mean, because we know the usage for those guys will be high. So you can expect Devin, Kevin, D.A., and Chris to play 34 minutes a night, 35, 36 in the playoffs. So if you're just really looking for the other guys to step in and fill 12 minutes. And, and whoever does it consistently um, will probably have preference. But then we'll also have to have to ask some guys to – to be dynamic and flexible and be agile and, and, and play a game, sit out a game, play 12 minutes one game, play 18 another, and just be you know productive and, and reliable and consistent uh, because it, it starts and, and ends with our top four guys. 
President of Basketball Operations for the Suns, James Jones, our guest here on uh, Bickley and Murata Mornings for, for Newsmakers Week. And I know a lot of focus, and we've talked about it, is, is on the return of Kevin Durant. I think there's another very important piece, uh, another very important player to the whole grand scheme for the Suns that's been injured and is getting closer to a return. Uh, and I'm talking about Cameron Payne to solidify the backup point guard spot. I think Saban Lee's done some some really nice things since being called upon and, and signed to this roster, James. But we know how Cam can be important uh, to, to the whole mix. How close is he to returning? Uh, he, he's close as well. I mean, I, I, th- I think he'll be back after the break. You know, I think he's looking forward to uh, trying to have himself ready for tomorrow, but he's he's vital for what we're trying to do. He's our, our other ball handler. Um, he gives us a change of pace, uh, something that saving gives us, but um, Cam's just done it at a higher level for longer. Uh, so we need him to come back and, and get into form. And I know he's excited. He's been out a while, but he's been looking great in practice. And and his energy is going to be infectious uh, because we all know when Cam is playing with energy and playing with the motor, when he's playing with juice, uh, the team feeds off of it. Uh, I know a lot of people, everybody in everyday life can relate to this, that a new boss comes to town, things change for everybody. Um, so Matt Ishbia comes to town. There were reports that he might want to integrate Isaiah Thomas, reports of which he denied. And here we are. I'm just curious, how, how are you vibing with the new guy who has obviously made quite an instant impact in his young tenure as owner of the Suns? I mean, I love Matt. Matt Matt's funny. Uh, he's, he's pure energy, um, but he's pure basketball. And it's 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 rare you get a chance to work with an owner who actually played the game and understands exactly where you're coming from and understands the team's dynamic. You know, change is something that's constant in this business. If, if teams and players aren't changing, you're either improving or you're, you're taking a step back. And, and so he's been coming. He's come in with a, a renewed energy, saying, "Look, we need to continue to change and push forward." And change is good. A change doesn't have to be bad. It's only bad if you're complacent and you're stuck. Uh, but if you're looking forward to winning. Uh, you embrace the change and, and you find ways to change proactively versus reactively. I made the joke to Bick a couple weeks ago when, when Matt Ishbia stepped in that he steps in day one as the second best player among NBA owners from, from day one. <laughs> uh, and and it, it's kind of a joke, but you, you touched on it. Uh, to have ownership uh, be that familiar with the game, it's in his blood, he played the game, I think that's invaluable moving forward. It is. I mean, it, it comes back down to team dynamics and team building. When when you sit up top, you know, you a lot of times you just look at you look at names. You know, you look at stats. You look at resumes, and you say, "Hey, this guy is the best player because he has X production." But you don't really understand how they impact their teams. And Matt gets that. You know, you can have fifteen superstars, uh, but if the culture doesn't fit, if they don't mesh, you get what a lot of teams get, which is a, a disappointing run. I know for us, we're trying to, to blend all those things. And so he sees the value in the 15th guy just like the first guy. It's interesting to me. Your stewardship as GM of this team has been fascinating because you, you, you do things on your own schedule. You see things your own way. You don't get swayed by all the noise. And, man, there's a lot of noise. And here we are at the end of all of it, and you've got Kevin Durant, just like we talked about last summer. So my question to you is this. Um, w- when you take a look at, at, at this thing and where it's all going, how do you feel about what you have right now uh, just going forward? Um, I'm excited. Um, I'm never satisfied, but I'm excited about what we can become and what we've done. Um, but that's up until a point. We still have games we have to play, and we still have goals that we want to accomplish. But having Kevin 
um, gives you a shot in the arm because you know if you get to those moments, you have someone that's done it and that's capable and willing of getting you across the line. And then when you couple him with Devin, DeAndre, and uh, and Chris, uh, you feel really good about you know those four guys plus one other guy being on the floor for you to close games. And the excitement, as my partner said, is palpable. When you factor in all the noise and all the excitement and everything you've seen from this fan base and the way they've kind of of just rekindled their love for this team, you got a real good sense of what this team and its fortunes mean to this city. How would you describe how engaged your fan base is in all of this? Oh, man, they're live. And, and I told them Phoenix is live right now, and, and our fans – are, are two, they're excited and they're demanding. And, and that's what you want um, because we, we look internal a lot. You know, I tell people a lot, I, I wear noise-canceling headphones so I can block out the noise. <laughs> um, and I put the music on that I want to listen to. And the music we want to listen to is championship rhythm, championship vibes. And, and if the fans feel the same way, it's good because they bring it to the building and when you're not performing, they let you know. And that's, a lot of times, that's, that's the joke that you need you need that outside perspective from those that really enjoy and respect and love what you're doing. When they come to you objectively and say, hey, you need to be better, you tend to listen. James, as always, a pleasure uh, to talk to you. Thanks so much for joining us for Newsmakers Week. We really appreciate it. Appreciate you, champ. Thank you, guys. Thank you, James Jones, president of basketball operations for the uh, Phoenix Suns general manager. He joined us here on the Arizona Sports Line. Uh, a lot more to come in the 9 o'clock hour for Newsmakers Week. We'll talk to Latasha Causey, yeah, the go. president of Phoenix Raceway, Coyotes head coach Andre Tourney, Brian Mueller, the president of Grand Canyon University. And our 9 o'clock hour starts next with a sit-down with uh, vice president of university athletics for ASU, Ray Anderson. It's Newsmakers Week 2023 here on Bickley and Murata Mornings, Arizona Sports the local sports leader.